Good morning, Grace Vineyard, and all of you watching this on our YouTube channel or listening to this on our podcast. How many of you are feeling a little bit better now that the government has produced its roadmap for the recovery of this country from the COVID-19 pandemic? I'm sure many of you are. I certainly am. There is now a clear roadmap for us to follow with signposts along the way to track our progress. Last week, as a church, we finished off the series on the book of Acts. And after Easter, we're going to begin a new series on the Sermon on the Mount, beginning with the Beatitudes. Now today, I want to talk about a roadmap too, but one that is different from the one which the government has laid out for us to recover from COVID. Today... And for the next two Sundays, we are looking forward to Palm Sunday and Easter. I want to look at the road that Jesus walked in the last days as he journeyed to Jerusalem and his crucifixion. I want to look at some of the significant signposts that he laid out for us to follow on the roadmap to salvation. I'm going to be reading from the Gospel of Mark chapter 10 today. Not the whole chapter but a number of the verses. Now at this point in Mark's gospel, Jesus has been in Galilee, where Peter has declared him as the Christ. He has revealed to the twelve for the first time that he has to go to Jerusalem to die. He has been up the mountain with Peter, James and John and been transfigured. And after coming down the mountain, he healed the boy with the evil spirit. He's now on his way to Jerusalem with the disciples. And to avoid going through Samaria, as was the custom for the Jews at that time, they cross over the Jordan River and travel down the eastern side of the river. And this is where we encounter our first signpost on the roadmap to salvation. In Mark chapter 10 verses 1 and then 13 to 16. Jesus then, then left that place and went into the region of Judea across the Jordan. Again crowds of people came to him and as was his custom he taught them. People were bringing little children to Jesus to have them touch them. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this he was indignant. He said to them let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, put his hands on them and blessed them. Children are a blessing from God. Scripture tells us that. Psalm 127 verses 3 to 5. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. As parents, it is our responsibility to teach our children and help them grow up and mature, to help them to learn to live life responsibly, which is all good and true, but we are also to learn from them. And that is what Jesus points out to us at this signpost. 
As we grow older and mature, we begin to take responsibility for our actions and behavior, which is good. But sometimes in doing this, we lose some behavioral patterns, which is not a good thing. We stop being childish, which is good. But we also stop being childlike, which is not good. God wants us to come to him like these little children, longing to have him take us in his arms and bless us. Children are so trusting, especially of their parents. I remember when our daughter Karen was little, just learning to sit by herself. At church, I used to hold her in my one hand during the worship and lift her up above my head as I worshipped. She would sit there contently in my hand, not afraid in the least. Some of the adults around us were afraid and reacted to how her and I worshipped. But she never cried or fussed, wanting to be lowered. She would sit in my hand safely. When she was a little older, I would throw her up in the air and catch her. She loved it. It wasn't just a little way up into the air either. It was high up. I stand at just over six feet tall and I would throw her a good two to three feet or even more above my head and then catch her. I was a rugby player. She would laugh and giggle when I did it. Not once did she ever cry or get scared. She was too young to understand the danger of me not catching her. Once she could talk, she would always say, again, 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 Dad. Her brother, two years younger than her, was treated exactly the same and showed the same trust in me. My children believed in me and trusted me because I was their father. We need to learn to believe in and trust our Heavenly Father in the same way. When our daughter was a little older, around 18 months to two years old and onwards, we had a favorite party trick we loved to do with people who didn't know us too well. I would pick her up and hold her by her ankles up in front of my chest. And she would sit on my hands and lean against my chest. We would then approach someone, normally another man, and I would pretend I was going to throw my daughter to them for them to catch her. I would count one, two, three, and she would leap forward as I threw out my arms. But I would keep hold of her ankles. And as the person was about to catch her, she would stop short of them and then swing down between my legs. She loved doing this. She had faith that I would hold on to her, keeping my hands at the right height so that she would not hit her head on the floor as she swung down between my legs. She had faith in me, in my strength and ability to keep her safe. Because I never once let her fall or get hurt, her faith in me grew each time we did it. It was amazing. Do you trust, believe and have faith in your Heavenly Father in the same way that most little children trust, believe and have faith in their earthly fathers? Jesus says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. God wants us to come to him like little children. No rationalizing and reasoning, just trusting him and believing him, declaring our faith in him because he is longing to take us in his arms and bless us. Childlike trust, 
childlike belief, childlike faith. That is what he wants from us. The second signpost along the roadmap to salvation is found in the next portion of Scripture. Mark 10, 17-31 As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said. Go sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Peter said to him, We have left everything to follow you. I tell you the truth, Jesus replied. No one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields, and with them persecutions, and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. Now just as Jesus was moving on from blessing the children, he is approached by this rich, righteous young man who has a very important question to ask. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Man has been on a quest for centuries trying to find the way to eternal life. More specifically, eternal youth. The old do not want to age and are searching for ways to stave off aging and keep themselves eternally young. The beauty and cosmetics industry sells us this lie that we can stay eternally young by using their products or undergoing certain surgical procedures. Get rid of the wrinkles, color the hair, do whatever it takes to look young. I love the truth of scripture, especially as I've got older and my hair color has changed. Proverbs 16.31 says, Gray hair is a mark of distinction, the award of a God-loyal life. And Proverbs 20.29 says, The glory of young men is their strength, and the splendor of all men, old men, is their gray hair. But let's not get distracted, but, but get back to the question at hand, inheriting eternal life. How do we get it? Keep the law? The Ten Commandments? Although Jesus only names six of them here. Yes, we do need to live a righteous life. That's true. 
but there is more to it than following rules and regulations. Sell everything, give up everything. In order to become a disciple of Jesus Christ, does he really expect us to sell everything and give to the poor? When God called us, Jill and I and the children, to go to Malawi and church plant, it meant that we had to sell the beautiful house that we owned. I had to get out of the business I was involved, I was involved in, take our kids out of the wonderful school they were in, leave family and friends behind, and move to a third world nation. We did that, not because we are heroes or martyrs, but because we knew it was God calling us. We were willing to pay the price because it was nothing like the price Jesus had paid to set us free from sin and death and give us eternal life. We were ready to surrender all, do whatever needed to be done to fulfill the calling God had placed on our lives, to go and serve Him in serving others in another nation. The second signpost we see is total surrender. God wants total surrender from me and from you. Are we willing to give it? Jesus was and Jesus did surrender all for me and for you. Don't let the comforts and riches of this world entrap you and prevent you from surrendering all to Jesus Christ. Can you be like Peter and say, we have left everything to follow you. Jill and I have done that twice. 11 years ago yesterday, we arrived in the UK to continue the incredible journey that God has taken us on since leaving South Africa in 1996 to church plant in Malawi. It has been an amazing journey with far more highs than lows along the way. We've experienced firsthand the promise that Jesus gives at the end of this passage. We haven't owned a home since we sold our beautiful house in South Africa. But we have not had one day since then that we have not had a roof over our head, a bed to sleep in, although sometimes it was a blood mattress when we were out in the bush, and food on our table. We have traveled to many nations, stayed with many Christian brothers and sisters in their homes at no cost to us. And we have a church family that is spread across every continent of the world. Our move to Malawi looked impossible at first, but God made it possible and blessed us beyond what we could have dreamed or imagined. Having done it once when it came to move once more, God opened the way and again we have been blessed beyond what we could have dreamed or imagined. I can tell you from first-hand experience that you can put your trust in God. You can believe that His promises are true and that you can have faith in Him to be with you wherever He leads you when you are willing to surrender all you are and all you have to Him. Childlike trust, belief, faith and total surrender. Those are the two signposts we see today. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you have made a way. There's a road that you have set before us, a path for us to walk on. 
with signposts along the way. Thank you, Father, that we know that in eternity we will be with you. But until that time, we are going to walk on this road with you alongside us, leading us and guiding us so that we can draw others alongside us and take them with us on this journey that we have, that we are walking on. Heavenly Father, come and fill us with your presence, Holy Spirit. Fill us with your joy and your power as we surrender our all to you. If there are things in our lives that we are holding back, Lord, I pray right now that through the power of your Holy Spirit, you'll bring them to mind, that we can lay them down before you, that we can surrender our all to you, and we can be the children that you want us to be, trusting you with that childlike faith and walking in total surrender to you. Thank you, Lord. Praise you and bless you. Thank you, Jesus, that you have made this all possible. Amen.